0: Alright, welcome back. Uh, It's good to see everyone here, see some new faces, but particularly to see some old faces from last semester. I'm glad you're here. What is RUF? Well, first of all, let me summarize basically three things. Who are we? Just as a way of reminder. Number one, we're about the Bible. We believe that this is God's Word to us and that it is a big deal Every time that we come together and open it. Why? Well, because it's God's revelation to his people. And so, when his word is opened up and his spirit is at work, we expect big things to happen. So, that's why uh, we are about uh, God's word. Secondly, we're about Jesus. We claim to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. And so, every week when you come... Uh, We want to hold him up uh, as high as possible through our singing and uh, through uh, the preaching of God's word. And then lastly, we're about community. We want to be, we believe the Bible is about a community moving forward in the world from Genesis to Revelation. And so we want to be about community. We want to be a place where you can come no matter what you're struggling with, whether you're doing great. Uh, In your journey uh, with Jesus or whether you're doing terrible or whether you're not even sure you believe this stuff. We want this to be a place where you can come and struggle with those things uh, and figure out what you believe. But also if you're uh, doing great, come and be encouraged and pushed uh, further uh, and closer to Christ. Uh, We want to be a place where if you're broken, you can come and experience grace and experience mercy. Uh, and love uh, from one another, but particularly uh, from Christ. Uh, also, let me introduce uh, again Kristen. Are you here? Kristen, yeah. Can you stand up? Kristen is our intern. She's with us. And so, um, she, is, she is always available. What's that? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Last... <laughs> yeah, she's not Blake. Blake is in med school right now. But that's Kristen. Sorry about that. Um, And she is available to meet with you. Like, if you want to hang out, get coffee, go walking, that's what she's here for. She loves to hang out with students. That's her job. And so don't hesitate to call her, uh, myself included. We're always available uh, to you if you need anything. Uh, We want to pray for you, and we want to be uh, available to you uh, to help you in any way we can. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Acts chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 8. There are a lot of things that I could say as we introduce the book of Acts. We're going to be studying that this semester. And there are tons of things we can say, but I want to convince you tonight that there is a smell of intrigue in these opening pages of the book of Acts. Something is being plotted here in these first few verses of the book of Acts and it's something lethal. You see, this passage dares us to picture Jesus in his heavenly, on his heavenly throne. Not just as the leader of a ragtag bunch of rebellious Jewish guys, but as the cosmic king of the universe. Something big is happening here. A dangerous movement is unfolding in the book of Acts. I think you'll see... What I mean as we study that book, this, this book, this semester, but particularly as we look at these first few verses. So, follow along with me as I read God's Word. Acts chapter 1, 1 through 8. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. To them he presented himself alive after his sufferings by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with him, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Let me pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we ask you um, to be with us. Why? Well, because unless you show up, uh, nothing's going to happen. And so, Holy Spirit, would you teach us, would you move us tonight through this passage? Some of us have read this passage uh, so many times that it leads us uh, to a boring yawn. And so would you help us to see this passage in a fresh way? Would you change us through it? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. It was a hot summer day. Perfect, not a cloud in the sky. The water, the ocean was perfect as well. In fact, it was a green flag day. And so that meant that you could have the run of the ocean. And so a father and his three girls decided to go for a swim and ride the waves. They were having the time of their life. And then the father was about waist deep and he said he noticed something very strange start to happen. He said he noticed waves crashing on his right and waves crashing on his left, but nothing was happening where he was standing. He said it was the strangest thing. And he said then in a matter of seconds it was like something had grabbed him around the waist and pulled him a hundred yards straight out. He was caught in a riptide. And the force of that riptide was moving him out into the ocean. Thankfully he was able to swim out of it and he survived. In the book of Acts something similar is happening. Jesus has ascended to his throne in heaven and the Holy Spirit is about to be poured out on God's people. And the Holy Spirit, throughout the whole book of Acts, but it starts right here, is moving God's people out into the world by force to build the kingdom of God and take the gospel to the ends of the earth, starting in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, pushing them out like a riptide. That was the task that the disciples had been given after Jesus had ascended, the Great Commission, making disciples of all nations. And that is the task that you and I have been given as well if you are a believer in Jesus Christ tonight. And I don't know about you, but I'm sure the disciples as their leader, Jesus, their king, was no longer with them, they were probably overwhelmed. How in the world are we ever going to do this? You might feel that way as well. We need encouragement. Luke knew that we needed encouragement. And so he points us and calls us to remember three things. If you have an outline, uh, you can follow along with me. But first of all, If we're ever going to uh, be successful in building the kingdom of God on earth, we've got to remember that Jesus is still at work. Look at verses 1 and 2. Luke sets the scene for this story in the book of Acts by pointing back and summing up the contents of his gospel, the gospel of Luke. Same writer, Luke wrote the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. He says in verses 1 and 2, In the first book, Luke, Theophilus, and Theophilus, who is this dude, Theophilus? Well, we're not really sure. He is either a symbolic person, a convert, or a skeptic, or a seeker of Christianity, or it's an actual person. We're not 100% sure about Theophilus. But he's writing to him and he says, I dealt with all the things that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. Notice he says, began to do and teach. And so what is happening here, Luke is suggesting that the book of Acts is a continuation of the gospel. And so Luke is saying, now I'm going to write about all that Jesus continued to do and teach Jesus has ascended in his physical body up into heaven but he is still present on earth spiritually speaking through the Holy Spirit we realize this even more it becomes even more clear when you realize that the term Lord anytime you see it in the book of Acts read through it notice how many times the word Lord is mentioned almost always it refers to Jesus Jesus And so the entire book, it's evident that Jesus is at work now, presently, building the kingdom of God, building his church. Here's the the first thing Luke wants us to know right off the bat, is that Jesus is still at work here and now. Now that might sound obvious, right? But let me ask you, do you really believe that tonight? You see, for the most part, we are a people that are really good at talking about all the things that Jesus has done. Think about it. We're really good at talking about what Jesus has done. We can talk about his birth, we can talk about his miracles, we can talk about his death. We can talk about his resurrection and all the ways that affects us as Christians. Jesus died for our sin. He saves us. He makes us right. But when it comes to what Jesus is doing now, what would you say? If someone were to ask you, what is Jesus doing now in your life, in the world? It gets a little bit harder, doesn't it? Could it be that the reason why Jesus feels so distant to you, that the reason why Jesus feels so uninvolved in your life and in the world, the reason why he feel, it feels like he's not up to much, is because you really don't believe he's still working in the world. You know, me included. I often think that Jesus, yeah, he's up in heaven, but he's just kind of biding his time until the Father says, all right, time to go back. That he's just kind of twiddling his thumbs. Now look, we wouldn't say this, or we wouldn't admit this, but here's the truth. I think we often live like practical deists. What do I mean by that? What's deism? Deism is the belief that God created the world, set it into motion, and then pulled back and became uninvolved. In other words, God wound up the world and then flung it out on its own. Now, of course, you would never ever say that out loud. But here's the way it is revealed. It's reflected in our non-existent prayer lives. It's reflected in our anxiety, in our stress. Stress is at an all-time high on the college campus and in the world. I mean, it is off the charts. Now, think about the last time. I, I had trouble thinking about a person, and maybe you know these type of people, but I, I don't know many, that when the world comes pressing in on them, Life presses in on them. Projects, papers, tests, all of it going on. Something else, you know, stressful event or circumstance. I have failed to see many people in those circumstances really walk by faith. Really trust God. And you know them if you see them, right? You've seen those type of people that really have this spirit of faith and trust in the middle of dip- difficult cir- circumstances. And often, instead of walking by faith and trusting God, we start to put our hope and trust in ourselves or in other people or in a relationship or in technology to solve our problems. All of these things are unspoken, and they testify to our unspoken assumption That God's real work was in the past. And that he's not up to much today. We often live, and me included, live as though Jesus wound up our lives and then flung us out on our own. And we're just trying to hold on and survive. And here's how it's revealed. It's revealed when we make statements like this. He'll never change. He's told me he's sorry a hundred times, but I know he'll never really change. Or that person, they'll never become a Christian. There's no way. Or, man, I've been struggling with this addiction forever. And I guess I just have to give up because it's just going to be here forever. There's really no hope that I'll ever change. Or it's revealed when we say things like this, I better hurry up and find a date before I graduate because if I graduate with no prospects, then I'm going to be single for the rest of my life. And so I just got to go find somebody. That's funny, but you see what that reveals? That reveals a heart that really doesn't believe that Jesus is still at work. Working out his plan in your life and in the world. And if Acts tells us anything, it tells us that Jesus is still working, he's still teaching through his Spirit. You ready for some good news? Jesus is not a distant king, Jesus is not an absent father, Jesus is a living shepherd that walks among his sheep and loves them and cares for them. There's hope. That means that you can have hope because Jesus is still at work. It's not over. He's not done with you. And that means that you can have hope of real change in your life. You can have hope that the person you never thought could become a Christian Might actually know Jesus one day. Or you could have hope that God is going to provide you with a wonderful spouse, even if you're not dating anybody before you graduate college. Jesus is good, and He longs to be good to you. God is at work, and if we're ever going to accomplish this task of building the kingdom in the world and on this campus, We have to believe that. So first, we've got to remember that Jesus is still at work. Secondly, remember the goal. Look at verse 3. At the end of verse 3, Jesus mentions the kingdom of God. We need to understand something about this phrase, the kingdom of God. What do we mean when we say the kingdom of God? It's taught all throughout the Scriptures, from Genesis to Revelation, and particularly by Jesus in the Gospels. And the phrase refers to the rule and reign of God. Jesus came into the world to bring the perfect reign of God in heaven down to earth. What is happening right now in heaven? Worship. Honor. Praise is being brought to God the Father. Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God here so that the whole world would give honor and praise to God. Remember the Lord's Prayer? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus came to the world and he died and he was resurrected, yes, to take away your shame, yes, to take away your guilt, Yes, to give you eternal life, but he came for something even bigger. And that was to build the kingdom of God, to bring the kingdom here, to turn this planet into a place, a holy place, where it would be appropriate for God to come and dwell and rule with his people. A place to where there would be no more tears, no more pain, no more suffering, no more death. That's the goal. That's where we're headed. We don't live that way. That's good news. That gives me something to get up for in the morning. That's the vision. And here's the remarkable thing. This will blow your mind. It blows my mind to even think about it as I was preparing. You know how Jesus has determined to make that happen in the world? Through you. Through human beings. He wants to bring the kingdom of God. So as we wait for him to return, we are to pray. And we are to spread the kingdom of God in the world. How do we spread the kingdom of God? Look at verse 8. We spread God's glory by preaching the gospel to the nations. To all the world's. So that everyone would bow the knee and confess that Jesus is Lord. That's why verse 8 says, You will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. This is calling us to be ambassadors for Jesus. What's an ambassador? An ambassador is someone who represents someone else. Everything that they do and everything that they say intentionally represents a king or a leader who is not physically present. And it's not just a part-time calling. It's not just 40 hours a week. Uh, An ambassador represents the king 24-7 wherever they are, wherever they are going. He stands He or she stands in the place of the king. Their character, their words, and their actions embody the king that they represent. This is what Jesus is calling us to in verse 8. We are called to be witnesses or ambassadors to King Jesus who is ruling and reigning In heaven. And so the first thing that we should be asking as Christians, if you are a Christian tonight, is how can I best represent Jesus in my relationship with my boyfriend or girlfriend? How can I best represent Jesus with my friends? How can I best represent Jesus on my hall, with my roommate, in the classroom? With my family? How can I best represent Jesus in my career? What is your calling in your relationships? To be an ambassador. What is your calling in your career? To be an ambassador. But here's the problem. It's easier said than done, isn't it? And here's why it's easier said than done. Because if we're honest, if I'm honest, I give a lot of lip service to, yeah, this ambassador thing's really cool, but the truth is, I often want to just build my own little mini-kingdom and live as a mini-king. I often, if I'm honest, my central prayer It's not thy kingdom come. It's my kingdom come. And you see, if we are going to be ambassadors, Jesus is calling us to turn our backs on our small, weak, puny, little mini kingdoms that we think are so great, but they're nothing. And Jesus is calling us to turn our backs on them and turn and open up to his glorious kingdom. The one that's called the kingdom of God, where we can represent as ambassadors the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Our goal, spread the kingdom of God throughout the entire world. Starting here at Sanford University. Questions. Do you see your life as part of that goal? Is it even on your radar? Who are you praying for right now to receive Christ that's not a Christian? Do you even have non-Christian friends? If you if not, you should. Who are you praying for? Do you see yourself as part of something big? Something that will get you up in the morning? Something called the kingdom of God? Something that Jesus says will transform the entire planet? Do you see our ministry, this ministry called RUF, as a part of that vision? Everything in our lives must be devoted to this goal. How are we going to do this? This thing called the kingdom of God. Remember that Jesus is still at work. Remember the goal. And thirdly, remember the power. How do we administer the kingdom of God? Well, look, look with me. The power is simply the Holy Spirit. Verse 2, Jesus gave commands through the Holy Spirit. Verse 5 and 6, the Holy Spirit is the promise in verse 8 the Holy Spirit is the power. In other words, the power isn't ourselves. It's not some fancy technique or reading a certain book or getting a certain amount of knowledge. The power is the Holy Spirit. He is the one that empowers us to start walking in taking this message to the world. The Holy Spirit's one of his roles is to apply the gospel in salvation, to people's hearts. remember in John chapter three, Nicodemus, with, you know, he's talking with the spirit, and it, and it says that he must be born of the spirit. It was the spirit that converted Nicodemus. And here's what I'm, I'm getting at. Here's, here's what this means: it's not your job to change people. It's not your job to convert them and give them faith. And that should free you up. That should free you up as you move out with the gospel towards your friends. That means it's not about techniques. It's not about having a certain amount of knowledge. It's not about a canned presentation. But it's all about the Holy Spirit being at work In people's hearts. Now, I'm not saying that we don't need to be trained. Yes, we do. I'm not saying that we don't need to know things and how to share the gospel and the contents of the gospel. Yes, we do. But what I'm saying is you can have all the techniques in the world. You can have a perfect presentation and ask all the right questions. And if the Holy Spirit doesn't show up, you're in trouble. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the power. What does that mean for us? Here's what it means for us in this ministry. We can have the best room on campus. The room with all the flags and the carpet from the 70s. (laughs) That meets right in the middle of campus. It's a cool room. Yes, we can have the best worship leader on campus. We can have the best students on campus. We can have... Lots of students coming. We can have the best retreats. We can have the best socials. And unless the Holy Spirit shows up and works, we will fail. We're doomed. And that's why we've got to pray. You see, we don't have the resources. You don't have the resources to change yourselves. We don't have the resources to change other people. We don't have the resources to take the gospel to the nations. And that's why we've got to pray and call on the Holy Spirit to come down and to give us what we need to change people's hearts, to change our hearts. To bring us out of our stubbornness, to give us passion again because our hearts are so dull. We got to pray that the Spirit would come. In Acts chapter 1, God has poured out the Holy Spirit, and He is moving us out like a riptide, out into the world by force. Yes, the task is big. And the only way we'll ever be up for the task is if we remember that Jesus is still at work. Remember the goal, the vision of the kingdom of God coming here. And then finally, remember the power. The power is Him, not us. And when we remember those things, look out. Because big things will start to happen. Let's pray. Father, Holy Spirit, we.